And welcome, my friends, to the Daily Gator Daily Thought Podcast. If you're left, you just ain't right. The podcast that ain't woke and wokers, my friends. Let's kick it. Let's kick this pig. It's almost a weekend, the holiday weekend. By God, Independence Day, July 4th, the birthday of the greatest nation to ever exist on this earth. Period, the United States. And if you ain't down with that, well, you're probably a leftist who voted for Joe Biden. Now, let's get into some good stuff here. Um, there's some news here that isn't really political. But it is, I think, important to comment sometimes on things like this. From CBS News, uh, a semi-truck driver who earlier this year caused a six-vehicle crash in Arizona, uh, an accident that resulted in the deaths of five people. So five lives lost. And it's important when an accident happens, sometimes it's just an accident. And the punishment for the person that maybe caused it, maybe it should be criminal. It's their conscience that's going to bother them. This, however, is a different story. So five dead people, people who had their lives stolen from them prematurely. Uh, the driver of the truck was on his phone at the time. Yep, there you go. The, uh, <laughs> the crackheads on their phones. And the crack isn't actually crack, it's their phone or the conversation or the tweet or the instant message they got or, or whatever. Good God, people, stop. Use your heads. You're driving a several thousand pound vehicle at high rates of speed. Other people are doing the same thing. You might want to watch what the hell you're doing. But this driver was not only on his phone. He was, quote, actively using TikTok just before the accident. You know, I don't know what charges this driver is going to get convicted on, but I would say that it's going to be a long time before this uh, this truck driver ever sees the light of day again, so to speak. And I guess it should be that way. Because there's accidents, and then there's accidents that are caused by your careless, reckless, selfish behavior. Uh, this sounds like it could be definitely one. Officials said uh, Thursday that Danny Tyner, who is 36, has been charged with several felonies related to the incident. The wreck happened on January the 12th, shortly after 6 a.m. Tyner, who was driving eastbound on Interstate 10, told police he had received a message on his electronic work tablet and acknowledged the message. And then when he looked back at the road, he could not stop his vehicle in time to avoid a collision. So he took his damned eyes off the damn road to look at his damn cell phone or damn tablet, whatever the hell it was, and he killed five damn people. Five dead people. Because he couldn't be responsible. There's not a rest area coming up. There's not a place you can pull off, get a cup of coffee, and, and return the message or read it. You don't have time to do that. You got a schedule. Look, truck drivers work hard. And they deserve our thanks and credit. Uh, God bless them. Uh, but this is a case of someone killing people because they were completely and totally irresponsible. 
And yeah, consequences do matter. I mean, he may have done the same thing, looked up in time to slam on his brakes and avoid an accident. Or he could kill five people because he couldn't have stopped. It's it's horrible. And you feel, a part of you, I guess, a part of me anyway, feels bad for the guy. But, man, you can't do that. You can't do that. It's like saying, oh, I just got drunk inside to pop off a few rounds with my 9mm in the neighborhood. I just happened to go through a lady's window and killed her while she was washing dishes. It was an accident. No. It was murder. Through your carelessness and your idiocy. Um, an earlier incident report states that Tyner ended up hitting two passenger vehicles, wedging them into the back of another a commercial truck. That truck was then pushed forward and hit two more cars. Uh, the two passenger vehicles crushed between the semi-trucks, ignited, and burst into flames. Uh, that is from the Arizona Department of Public Safety. The fire spread to the outfall commercial truck tractors and trailer and to the second commercial's truck box trailer. Um, the incident happened in an area where traffic was already stopped from a separate car accident that occurred hours earlier and involved three commercial trucks, one of which also rear-ended other vehicles. And there are some YouTube channels if you ever care to watch them, and it shows bad driving. There's one particular, or two maybe, that I've watched. They, they, they feature people in big rigs who always have that camera going. And some of the things that people do around semis, tractor trailers, you know, they'll whip over, like, just... just Drive past them really quick, uh, go back to the right, cut them off almost, and then take take the exit. They saved, what, a second and a half off their trip? And they could be killed. You make that little error, you make that little error around a semi, you're going to get flattened. Uh, playing on the road is, is, no. It's, don't do it, my friends. It ain't worth it, and the consequences can last well, a lifetime, I guess. Uh, I do feel bad for the driver in a way. Part of me does. But, man, you got to keep your eyes on the road. This is life and death. When you're handling something that can kill people, you have to be responsible. And it doesn't look like this person was. Very sad story. Now let's go to another kind of story that's, well, sickening, I guess, not sad. Kevin Spacey. I remember the first time I heard Kevin Spacey was in trouble for sexual misconduct, let's say. And I was thinking, Kevin Spacey, he's an actor, he's a very good actor. Uh, I think he had a hit show at the time when all this happened. Why would you want to ruin that for... You know, something you could do in your off time, probably. He probably had enough money to hire people to come in, professionals, and and have whatever kind of freaky sex he wanted. All voluntary, all consenting, nobody's business. But no, apparently he, uh, well, there's some, let's say, serious allegations against him. <clears throat> Uh, but U.S. actor Kevin Spacey is being described as a sexual bully. And there's a 
there's a picture of, of Spacey with his glasses on. He looks like a man in his early 60s. Uh, and he doesn't look like a bully of anything. But I guess looks can be deceiving. And when you get into the bedroom, you get into that stuff, some freaky things just happen. And there are some really freaky things that people do. And if you're not careful and you're an actor, you're famous, you could lose your whole career when all, all you need is a little discretion. Okay, I don't know what Kevin Spacey is even accused of, to be honest. I've never really looked into it. Uh, but from Reuters, Kevin Spacey is, quote, an aggressive sexual bully who assaults men and does not respect personal boundaries or space. That is from a British prosecutor who said on Friday at the start of the Oscar-winning U.S. actor's trial on sex offense charges. Spacey, 63, has pleaded guilty <clears throat> to a dozen allegations of historic sex offenses committed against four men then aged in their 20s and 30s, which are said to have taken place between 20, uh, 2001 and 2013. Uh, opening the prosecution case at London's Southwark Crown Court. Sounds like a new kind of liquor or something. Crown Court bourbon. That's right. Uh, lawyer Christine Agnew told the jury Spacey was an extremely famous actor who had won a number of awards. That's true. He is also, the prosecution alleged, a man who sexually assaults other men. A man who does not respect personal boundaries or space. A man who, it would seem, delights in making others feel powerless and uncomfortable. So he's got a lot, lot in common with Adam Schiff then. Uh, not the sexual part, but the powerless and uncomfortable part. Uh, sexual bully, he was called. His preferred method of assault is, it appears, to grab aggressively other men in the crunch. Yeah, uh, I don't know what's true, what's not. But I know if I were an actor or whatever these guys were around Kevin Spacey, uh, he would have done that once. I wouldn't have been in the movie or special whatever. He would have done it once. And when his fingers were healed and not broken anymore, he could have gone back to acting, I guess. But, uh, yeah, you don't do that. And that's the fate that those people deserve. If you grab somebody like that, you need your ass beat. I know a lot of people will say, it's a better way to handle violence. Violence doesn't solve anything. Yeah, it would solve that problem real damn quick. Uh, real quick. Spacey, who is being tried under his full name of Kevin Spacey Fowler, because he's a foul guy, watched from the dock, wearing a gray suit, a gold-colored tie, and glasses. The charges against him include repeated incidents of indecent, and sexual assaults. Uh, he is also accused of a more serious offense of causing a person to engage in a penetrative, uh, penetrative, sometimes my mouth, penetrative sexual activity without consent, which carries a maximum punishment of life in the Huskow, in the Gray Bar Motel. None of the men wanted to be touched by Kevin Spacey Fowler in a sexual way, but he doesn't seem to have cared very much for their feelings. 
He did what he wanted to do for his own personal sexual gratification. Describing the allegations of one man, she said Spacey had repeatedly grabbed and groped him, forced his hands onto the actor's, gener- uh, actor's genitalia, and had smacked his backside really hard. Again, would have happened one time. And no more. And Kevin Spacey might not have hands anymore. Uh, describing the allegations of one man, again, he did all that to him. It may well be that the defendant got a sexual thrill out of this type of sexual aggression. It is certainly a consistent feature of three out of four complainants, Agnew said. She said the jury would have to decide whether the accusers, some of which are suing the actor in civil courts, were telling the truth. Spacey's response to the allegations was to say some were made up while other encounters were consensual. So Spacey's defense is, no, these two guys lied, and and maybe some other guys, uh, it was consensual. They were into that kind of thing. Maybe one was Don Lemon. I don't know. I guess Don Lemon was kind of cleared of those types of accusations, though, wasn't he? To be fair to Don Lemon. But a lot of times people get into power, and they think they can do what they want. They think they can do exactly what they want, and... You know what? It can happen to men too, I guess. That's just, uh, that's inconceivable to some people. You always assume the woman's the the victim, and typically they are. Uh, But the fact that he's, he's being sued by some of them, to me, if you are sued, if you want to sue somebody for money because they, they raped you or sexually molested you, assaulted you, do they get if it's a civil thing you have to pay a money if you lose but what about the violent things you did you're still a dangerous person in my view I don't know if I believe in this business saying I want to sue them not prosecute them that shouldn't I don't not not saying it is I'm not familiar with British law uh, but no I think you should be tried and put in prison if you sexually molest, assault, abuse, uh, someone like that. It's, it's again, uh, Spacey, who won Oscars for Best Actor in American Beauty and Best Supporting Actor in The Usual Suspects, spent more than a decade working in London as an artistic director for the British Capital Old Vic, Capital's Old Vic Theater from 2004 to 2015, once one of Hollywood's biggest stars, he has largely disappeared from public view since being accused of sexual misconduct six years ago. Dude, you ruined your career. You probably could have got with your agent, got some guys who wouldn't have mind helping you out. And you could have paid them. Not that I'm defending prostitution. Not that I'm defending any of this. But I'm saying you could do all that without risking your, you know, your career possibly your freedom and I don't know this is in England not the United States but uh, Kevin Space I hope you're aware that in prison uh, you might be it might be your turn to be the uh, the bitch and maybe that would be the most fitting punishment for you I don't know my friends uh, but the Supreme Court decision that has got all oh, the left is flipping out, freaking out. They can't, oh my God, it's panic time. 
because the Supreme Court, led by, again, my favorite justice, Clarence Thomas. Oh, the left hates that man. Front page magazine, Daniel Greenfield writes that Justice Thomas has destroyed affirmative action, which should have been destroyed a long time ago, because it's nothing but discriminatory. It's government, government discrimination under the guise of making up for past government discrimination. If person A was discriminated against by, by person B, then person B owes person A. Person C, D, E, F, G, and all the way through Z, they don't, uh, they don't owe anybody anything. Uh, this business of hiring people, promoting people, uh, giving people scholarships or letting them into a college, uh, based on any, in any way on their skin color, no. No, I don't believe in it. Sorry, I don't. And the fact is, the left is, is it's amazing the backhanded compliment that, that particularly black Americans allow the left to give them. You hear it over, well, this will just, there will be no black people in college now, basically. So what you're really saying is you're saying black people are too stupid to get into college. They can't have the highest, uh, higher test scores or higher grades. They'll never make it. But you're not a racist, right? <clears throat> Wrong. But the left lets the left gets away with this stuff because they have painted themselves as the ultimate civil rights warriors. Well, actually, they're not. Uh, meeting, I got a quote for you here. Meeting social racism with government-imposed racism is thus self-defeating, resulting in a never-ending cycle of victimization. And that great quote, my friends, <clears throat> came, I believe, from Clarence Thomas. This article here at Front Page Magazine by Daniel Greenfield doesn't say. Uh, Thomas was the grandson of a sharecropper, yet the left holds up younger, privileged, middle-class activists like Justice Katanji Brown-Jackson. Go ahead, just for fun, ask her what a woman is if you ever see her. Hey, have you figured out what a woman is yet? <laughs> oh, you'll laugh, she'll laugh. Uh, it'll all be a great time, I'm sure. Uh, but the left holds up younger, privileged, middle-class activists like, again, Justice Katanji Brown-Jackson as truly representing the history of oppression. In his opinion, striking down affirmative action. Hold on, let me say that again. In his opinion, striking down affirmative action. Oh, those are sweet words. Those are four sweet words. Striking down affirmative action. Oh, I love it. Striking down government-sponsored racism. In his opinion, striking down the affirmative action, Justice Thomas takes on the myth of racism in the attempt to create systemically racial state. And that's what this does. It keeps perpetuating it. Because every time it gets ended or talked about being ended, the left comes out and says, well, what, what about past sins? What about... At what point is the debt paid? At what point do all the people who may have suffered under this old system where there was discrimination, and it was pathetic and stupid and horrendous, but if everybody who, who was victimized by it eventually is, is dead and gone, why are we still punishing some people for their skin color and rewarding others for theirs? You're just perpetuating the problem you're claiming to want to fix. 
that is why the left, my friends, is a back-asswards ideology. It's a deliberately scripted failure. And the failure will bring back bring about more of what they want. You don't, don't make enough money, you don't raise enough money for the government, raise taxes. Of course, increase spending more, but then raise taxes because you don't have enough. Then you just still don't have enough because you're raised spending even more. You spent money you didn't have. And let's go ahead and blame the rich people who don't pay their fair share. It's the same thing. Keep perpetuating the racism and then keep complaining about it. And hope that your your electorate, the, one, the people who in America who are very liberal people, pray they stay stupid enough. And emotionally stunned enough to to actually believe this this uh, uh, this flim flam operation, this scam, if you will. <clears throat> Justice Thomas takes on the myth of racism and the attempt to create syst- a systemically racial state in attacking Brown's dissent. He also takes on the fashionable sixteen nineteen project style ideologies that define everything by race. That's right. 1619 Project. Cesspool of Marxism. Jackson, uh, quote, would replace the second founder's visions with an organizing principle based on race. In fact, on her view, almost all of life's outcomes may be unhesitatingly, unhesitatingly ascribed to race, Thomas writes. And yeah, everything's racial with her. Everything. Imagine going through life like that. Everything bad that happens is racial. Everything that's good that happens to you is not racial somehow. Because no matter how good things get, no matter how little racism some people on the left experience, in their minds it only increases. It's a sort of psychosis, I think. In other words, liberals be crazy. Uh, He exposes the emphasis. This is... uh, Justice Thomas, Daniel Greenfield is writing about, he exposes the emphasis on white people rather than black people, on resentment over achievement. It's better to resent than to achieve now. Is that a recipe for success, do you think? I don't think so. Even if some whites have a lower household net worth than some blacks, what matters to Justice Jackson is that the average white household has more wealth than the average black household, he points out. This lore is not and never has been true. Even in the segregated South where I grew up, and yes, Justice Thomas grew up in a segregated South, uh, individuals were not the sum of their skin color. Then, as now, not all disparities are based on race, not all people are racist, and not all differences between individuals are ascribable to race. Worse still, Justice Jackson uses her broad observations about statistical relationships between race and select measures of health, wealth, and well-being to label all blacks as victims. What an uplifting message that is, right? Her desire to do so is unfathomable to me. See, Clarence Thomas sees life kind of like I do. He sees it as basically good. Basically, most people in America are not racist. Black, white, yellow, whatever, they're just not racist. Most people don't really experience racism. Uh, 
people experience bad things, yes. Bad service at a restaurant, at a business, uh, rude people, bad drivers, but it's not based on race generally. Not based on race, but the message from the left is always the same. Everything, if something bad or negative happens to you and you're black, it's racism. And we, you must empower us, the left, the Democrats, to help you. And of course the Democrats get fatter and richer when they do that. The, the country becomes more divided and bitter when they do that. And that ensures even more instances where the left will have to come and say, yeah, pay us more money, we'll help you out. We'll pass this law and everything will be fine. Sure it will. Sure it will. Uh, Daniel Greenfield writes, uh, I can hardly do more than quote Thomas in an opinion that will read, that will be read for the ages. Such a view is irrational. It is an insult to individual achievement and cancerous to young minds seeking to push through barriers rather than consign themselves to permanent victimhood if an applicant has less financial means because of generational inheritance or otherwise, then surely a university may take that into account. If an applicant has medical struggles or a family member with medical concerns, a university may consider that too. What it cannot do is use the applicant's skin color, assuming that because the applicant checks the box for black, he therefore conforms to the university's monolithic and reductionist view of an abstract average black person. Amen. Everybody can have situations in their life that they might uh, they might get some help getting into college. I have no problem saying that. I don't have no problem supporting that. But strictly because, well, person A is black and person B is not. In fact, person B is Asian. They have to be considered last because their test scores are the highest. Must be racism somehow. According, accordingly, Justice Jackson's race-infused worldview falls flat at each step. Individuals are the sum of their unique experiences, challenges, and accomplishments. What matters is not the barriers they face, but how they choose to confront them. And their race is not to blame for everything, good or bad, that happens in their lives. A contrary, myopic worldview based on individual skin color to the total exclusion of their personal choices is nothing short of of racial determinism. Well, Justice Thomas was on a roll. That's a smart man. To me, he's one of the wisest men in this country. And he's always been my favorite justice because I heard him say years ago uh, that what he considered when he had a case before him, is this law constitutional, is it not constitutional? He said he went to the Constitution and read what the hell it said very simplistic approach. The left would, would criticize that. Yeah, He's not nuanced enough. He's not thinking deeply enough. If the Constitution says something, it means something. If it's clear what it means, it's clear what it means. There's no reason to make something complicated that isn't. And get into all these mental gymnastics that the left likes to get into. Clarence Thomas is smarter than that. Clarence Thomas has an immense amount of intelligence and, and learning and education, but you know what else he has a ton of, my friends? Two things. A, common sense. 
And that's simply the ability to, well, to read something and understand what it says. You know what common sense is a lot like? Wisdom. The founders were wise people. And a lot of times they spoke, they, they wrote the Constitution, it was very easy to read. They put it in layman's terms many times. Very basic, very easy to decipher. They weren't trying to hide anything. They were simply stating facts, certain, certain uh, truths of the world to them. Like you had a right to worship or not as you choose. You have a right to speak your mind. You have a right to uh, freedom of association, uh, to assemble and protest peaceably, to keep and bear arms, to defend yourself. You can't be forced to attend a church or forbidden from attend a church. Your tax dollars can't go to support a certain uh, house of faith. Commonsensical things. All our founders basically had that same mindset. That these rights come from God. They don't come from man. They don't come from the state. Uh, where would I leave off here? Uh, instead of helping victims, Thomas continues, racial categories are a, quote, call to empower privileged elites who will tell us what is required to level the playing field. All the elites. What did uh, Thomas Sowell, another brilliant man, say? Another black man, by the way. He said words to the effect of some things are so stupid only an intellectual could come up with them. And if you've ever known somebody that's really... They're really smart. They're, they're highly intelligent, but they lack no common sense. They lack no uh, sense of proportion. They, they, can, they can quote a hundred quotes to you. They may have a huge IQ, but they don't have any basic common sense. I went to school with a couple kids like that. One guy, this kid could build rockets. Literally. He was brilliant, you know, <laughs> but literally, socially, he was, he did not know, have any idea how to speak to other people. Physically, you remember, I did this in school, I don't know if they still do it, but deep knee bends. So you stand there and you kind of bend over, touch your toes with the tips of your fingers. Then you kind of bend down on your knees and then you get back up, touch your toes again to stand up. This kid, whenever he would, he could bend over when he when he bent down to bend his knees and kind of squat, he would fall over backwards every time. Uh, we tried to uh, we tried to teach him how to play football, things like that. I don't know how many times the kid got hit in the face with a football. He just had no physical coordination. He wasn't well rounded at all, but he, the brain he had, the things he could do. But uh, <laughs> I remember thinking, man, this kid is so smart in some ways. And he's almost, almost, not to use the word disparagingly, but almost retarded at other times. And he, had, uh, he, he didn't know how to talk to other people. He, all he knew how to do was kind of attack people, like, I'm smarter than you. And that was sad to see because... You know, the kid was, he was kind of your real super skinny, geeky looking kid with glasses who had no social skills. I remember feeling bad for him. It was really bad. Uh, but 
I, you know, I hope he's happy today. I'd like, I'd like to run into him today, to see what, how he turned out, you know, what his career's in, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. <clears throat> but no common sense. That's something the left does not possess, because if it's too simple a truth, they can't accept it. It has to be harder than that. No, it doesn't have to be harder than that. <clears throat> uh, what else did Thomas say here? Uh, then, after soloing us all into racial caste and pitting those castes against each other, the dissent somehow believes that we will all be able, at some undefined point, to march forward together into some utopian vision. And there he's talking about the divisiveness of the left. They pit you against him, her against her, them against those people, this group against that group, this religion against the most divisive divisive, nasty ideology on earth is leftism in all its forms. Uh, If social reorganization in the name of equality may be justified by the mere fact of statistical disparities among racial groups, then that reorganization must continue until these disparities are fully eliminated regardless of the reasons for the disparities and the cost of their elimination. If blacks fail a test at higher rates than their white counterparts, regardless of whether the reason for the disparity has anything at all to do with race, the only solution will be race-focused measures. If those measures were to result in blacks failing at yet higher uh, rates, the only solution will be to double down. In fact, there would seem to be no logical limit to what the government may do to level the racial playing field. Outright wealth transfers, quota systems and the racial preferences would all seem permissible in such a system it would not matter how many innocents suffer race-based injuries all that would matter is reaching the race-based goal thomas is correct this is what the left is pushing complete and utter race absorption everything is your identity and you'll be able to throw in there soon enough transgender identify as this identify as that It's just going to get worse because the left ultimately is trying to destroy individuality. Anything that's individual is bad. This goes beyond equality. It goes even beyond equity. It goes to creating a society that is completely and utterly uh, single-minded, single-purpose. It's almost turning people, in a way, into... Uh, humanoids or robots it's it's a disturbing thing and I think Clarence Thomas realizes this and his words are beautiful the man nailed it the difference between him and Katanji Brown Jackson is I can't even describe how far above her he is in intelligence and common sense and reason she is a book learned uh, what would, how would I say it? A book learned, yes, but she's a person who's been indoctrinated by leftist BS. Clarence Thomas grew up and learned a lot of valuable lessons and learned from life and learned from books and learned from school and learned from college and learned from this and law school. He learned from many different sources. He's a much more well-rounded person in his thinking and his cognitive abilities than Ketanji Brown-Jackson is, I would imagine. And he always will be. 
Uh, God bless you, Clarence Thomas. Daniel Greenfield again with his piece at Front Page Magazine. Uh, my favorite Supreme Court Justice of all time is Clarence Thomas. You the man, Scalia. You're, you're a great justice. But someone's got to be number one. That's Clarence Thomas. And uh, God bless him. Have you noticed that but of all the justices now, you have Alito and Thomas getting the most grief from the left. That's how you know which justices are the most constitutionally sound. Because the more constitutionally sound they are, the more anti-leftist they are. And the more the left will hate them. That's why we hear all the talk about having rules and justices who aren't behaving properly and we need to pack the court and have this many justices, that many justices. They're really trying to intimidate people like Thomas and Alito. And I don't think that's going to succeed. My friends, I am done. I will be back tomorrow. God bless you all. Remember the three golden rules of this podcast and my blog, thedailygator.net. Go Gators. If you're left, you just ain't right. And God, Lord in heaven, bless America. This is Doug Hagen for the Daily Gator Daily Thought Podcast. The podcast that I woke and the Daily Gator blog. Listen to these on Spotify. Hit the little button that says support this podcast. Magical things will happen. I'm just saying. Magical things magical y'all be good take care take care of yourselves be good to your kids good to your dogs all of that god bless y'all again appreciate your patronage we'll talk soon bye bye